Hi, welcome to the Lima Reads podcast. This is where you can hear from Lima Public Library staff about our all-time favorite authors and stories and what we're currently reading. You may also hear news about the library and our community. Hi everyone, uh, this is Danny, and back with me this week is Sarah and we got to talking last week about some other books that she's been reading that have been really interesting so we wanted to share those with you. Sarah, what titles are we talking about today? We are talking about Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory by Caitlin <laughs> Doughty. Um, her subsequent book, uh, From Here to Eternity, which is Traveling, Traveling the World to Find the Good Death by Caitlin Doughty again. And then uh, a book of similar interest, which is Mary Roach's Stiff. Okay, so obviously there is a... <laughs> uh, um, death theme going on here. What drew you to these particular titles? Why do you find this topic interesting? Well, interestingly enough, um, I found myself being a bit of a kindred spirit with Caitlin because uh, I too was interested in mortuary science when Mm -hmm. I was in college and I almost pursued it. And what um, drove her from the traditional mortuary field that um, we can get into in a little bit, and she actually does alternative death funerals and that sort of thing is what drove hmm. me from it too which is it's very sales driven it's not okay. sure. um we you know it, it's it's not our vision for what we think you know mm-hmm. is a good way to go about it so um I had heard about her and what she was doing now in her field and uh I was really interested in what she was doing so then I picked up her book and like I said felt very much like a kindred spirit we have very similar ideas um about a lot of things. So okay. So this first book that you read by her, "Smoke Gets in Your Eyes." What kinds of things um, was she talking about in this book that mm-hmm. that you felt kindred to her? Well, she was talking about it's a, it's pretty much her experience. What brought her to where she is today, which is leading this um, revolution in American death culture. But um, she, when she was a young woman, she wanted she knew she wanted to work in the funerary um, death culture industry, mm-hmm. um, but she didn't really know what ex- how exactly to go about that. So she found a job at a crematory mm-hmm. with really no experience, no exposure, no expectations, just knowing this was something she was interested in. And um, that is what, and so she's writing about her first couple years working there and everything she learned about current American death culture. And mm-hmm. I, I use the cult word culture because it's, it, it is deeply reflective as who we are as a modern people and who we were in a in the past Mm -hmm. um, about how we traditionally and in modern times handle our dead. Right. So I know there have been a couple of studies done about how um, in the past people used to die from home. You you would be surrounded by all of your family and friends Mm -hmm. and you would pass in the home and everything would be done by Mm -hmm. your family and friends to prepare you for Mm -hmm. your funeral and interment. And now we we send people out of the home mm-hmm. to care facilities and how mm-hmm. does that sort of impact our relationship with death mm-hmm. as a culture mm-hmm. overall. And, that's what, and Caitlin ta- spends a lot of time talking about that and it's we do we have disassociated ourselves with the entire dying and death process. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of human history um, death was a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the living literally lived with it. It happened in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, if you became sick or if you were injured you know you were brought to your home and your family cared for you and then when you died your family was the one that washed and prepared and laid mm-hmm. you out. It's where the term laying out 
comes from. You mm-hmm. were literally laid out in your bed. Um, and uh, the only time any outside influences came was when the religious official came to your house to pray and when the funer- the furniture maker in town came to make the coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, those were really the only outside influences. And then we've moved away from that now where at the you know when somebody becomes ill, we t- um, there are hospice centers or hospitals that we take mm-hmm. them to and professionals mm-hmm. um, take over that process and we're kind of like uh, visitors on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And it's very sterile. And yeah. um, our relationship has with the dying and the dead has lost that kind of in- intimacy, which um, Caitlin argues, and I agree with, um, has really made us fear death and mm-hmm. lost touch with that whole process and um, gives given us a lot of misconceptions about things mm-hmm. that we need to maybe be more educated and aware of mm-hmm. and maybe change some of our ideas. Gotcha. So. So in her second book, um, From Here to Eternity, she's looking from a more global perspective mm-hmm. on how other cultures deal with death. How how are they similar? How are they different? Well, she's it's, it's interesting because in a more minute aspect, you know, it is obviously very different. She's going to places like South America, Japan, all over the world, looking at how other cultures have in the past traditionally and things are influencing, like, all... Um, like religion and even politics and money and things like that are obviously affecting things. But how in the past these cultures have dealt with their death and how it still is influencing what they're doing today, but also how modern mentalities are changing that a lot. Mm -hmm. And some things that we wouldn't even think of are kind of forming how we handle the dead. Like in Japan, space is at a premium for the living Mm -hmm. so you can imagine that for the dead it's kind of a a thing um so um cremation has really taken off over there Mm -hmm. but the temples that they're building um because they are often buddhist themed temples um are very modern space agey it's very like you get a flash drive (laughs) with your with your with your family members information on it wow and you put the flash drive into the wall and it will bring you like on a belt your loved one's ashes oh and there's like a little and it it, like drops off in front of the buddha shrine and you can so it's almost like a storage unit okay so this is a totally (laughs) random kind of off topic but this reminds me of a a tv series i've been watching supergirl and Mm -hmm. and she talks to the holograph of her mother Mm -hmm. who is you know the hologram has all of the mother's memories and wisdom and knowledge, mm-hmm. but is not obviously is not mm-hmm. the personality of the mother. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is getting dangerously close it to is, that. It's that. Sort you see that in culture. American some uh, in American cemeteries, some cemeteries actually have where you can go to the headstone and you can hit like for lack of better phrase a play button, mm-hmm. and there will be a video or something of that nature that plays of their loved one. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see so how. On the one side, I can see that that would be comfort in a way and on the other side I'm sitting here going oh my goodness that is so creepy yeah <laughs> it is it, it you know and it's it's very you know death culture is something that's constantly evolving so what is um, very comfortable for us today would have been appalling to mm-hmm. our ancestors yeah you know sure. so and I imagine that my great-grandchildren will 
we have a very different concept of mm-hmm. what happens when someone dies in mm-hmm. that whole process than we do now. So these two books are really looking at that process from you know mm-hmm. the last um, a couple hundred years up until really looking into the future mm-hmm. about the in- an industry and a culture and a huge part of our lives. It's weird to think of death as part of our lives, but it mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Um, you know that is something that we don't really think about until we have to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, they're they're fascinating books, and she's very funny. I, I know it doesn't seem like it would be a funny thing <laughs> right? to write about, but she's very you know very funny and um, gives it a really a, a nice light kind of. It doesn't feel creepy or mm-hmm. you know. It's not morbid. No, in nothing a way. like that. Yeah. No, it's very. Um, it, I, I I enjoy them, but like I said, knowing my background, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> sure, sure. So you said that that uh, Caitlin's writing style is it brings a bit of levity to this topic. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Mary Roach as an author mm-hmm. ha- usually draws in a lot of people because of the humor that she mm-hmm. uses throughout her books. So how does that sort of um, play out in her book Stiff? That um, it is it is a very funny read, and she's of course talking about in her book about all the different things that could happen to your body after you die. She explores probably 15 different scenarios mm-hmm. in America mostly. Okay. You know, what could happen, anything from a traditional burial to uh, cremation to if you donated your body to a body farm, mm-hmm. if you um, donated your body to science, uh, you know, and things that, what really happens when that means. Because we don't really understand what that means and the body just kind of goes away. Well, she mm-hmm. follows those bodies. Okay. <laughs> so, or, you know, to the body farm and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And... Um, there's a, a part where she's ta- she went to a medical college because we know that doctors practice on cadavers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but what we don't think about, when we think you know, if someone's donated their body to science or medicine, that it stays intact. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not. No. So, okay, funny story. I used to work in a library at a medical university, and one evening I was there by myself, closing up. I was about 19 or so, and uh, closing up the library. There were no other departments open at this university at the time, and I get a phone call on the library line to uh, sign for cadavers, a Mm -hmm. (laughs) a shipping company was trying to make a delivery of cadavered cadavers and they wanted me to sign and they were really rather upset with me that I was not comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Nobody wants to take that home, their work home with them like, right. overnight when they do with that kind of thing. Like, yeah. So it does, it creates those kinds of situations but, uh, you know, what she was kind of surprised to find, you know, she is kind of a layman in this too. She didn't even have Caitlin's, you know, background to Poland. She was just like, I want to find out about this as an average person. So she went in and studied it and, uh, Medical cadavers are so precious, mm-hmm. you know, that they can't afford, like, um, she was at a, a, a school for plastic surgery, mm-hmm. for plastic surgeons, and um, face was mm-hmm. what they are looking at, facial reconstruction. Well, they don't want to waste a whole body for face, right. so they, you know. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they, you know, piece it apart and, you know, out to these, so, you know, the podiatrists get the feet and, you know, everything hmm. like that. Wow, uh, that is not something I yeah. expected. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And uh, she's, but she wanted to meet the lady who did that. Yeah, know? that would and be she a was, weird job. You know, to and have. she was there on a head day, <laughs> so she's, you know, she just walked, not really knowing what to expect. And no one had told her. She walked into this classroom, and there are twenty, basically like the tins that you would roast a turkey in, on the table with mm-hmm. ice, and you, you can guess what was inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, "Oh, across the street is, you know, I forget her name, Barb. You know, she's the one that does this. Go in and talk to her." And Barb was, she said, "And I'm, I'm." had no expectations. It was this tiny 
maybe four foot ten, <laughs> you know, ninety five pound woman, and you know she's explaining to me, you know, the process of removing the head from the body to do this, hmm. and I missed ninety percent of what she was saying because all I kept thinking with a smile on my face while I'm politely listening is, "You cut off heads! <laughs> you cut off heads!" <laughs> right? Like I can just imagine her, this poor woman going on a date, and, and the poor person's asking, "Well, what do you do for a living?" <laughs> Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I I help um, advance the field of facial reconstruction. Sure. I mean, that's the, the PC way of putting it, sure. You know? But yeah, I mean, it's, it, like she has no, like I said, really, in, other than a curiosity, no mm-hmm. experience or background or research into what's happening. She's just going as if you and I were like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the body farm and I'm going to follow a body through the process of being admitted into the body farm. Okay, so what is a body farm for people who don't know? A body farm is most, uh, it is if you donate your body to a body farm, it's basically an open, exposed area, woods, fields, wherever you're at, wherever it's at, and they literally just lay the body out. Mm-hmm. And um, basically two types, although really two big branches are studying what's happening. They're studying the decomposition of okay. the body. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, medical people mm-hmm. are, are studying it. And really mostly forensics mm-hmm. students are studying these bodies. So when they unfortunately find a body that's been exposed to the elements for so long, they can see, you know, by looking at it and the different stages and things that are happening to it, um, how long it's been out there, you mm-hmm. know, how a stab wound decomposes when mm-hmm. exposed and that sort of thing so gotcha. they're, they're studying that and they they do make you know and but they also have like people who study clothes there are people in forensics who study the clothes of victims mm-hmm. you know so they'll dress them in certain things and lay them mm-hmm. out and that mm-hmm. sort of thing mm-hmm. and there's just every 20 or so feet there's a body in a different state you know and these students go out and they're they have they're assigned a body and uh-huh. they you know study over several months huh. um what's happening to that body. Okay, so interjection with a library program that's upcoming. If you mm-hmm. found that description <laughs> of a body farm interesting, COSI is going to be coming into the library on August 11th to do a crime scene investigation program. So if you're sort of interested in how crimes are solved, sign up for that event. You'll have lots of fun, but no bodies, I promise. <laughs> okay, so what else about uh, Mary Roach's stiff what else can you tell us about what happens to a cadaver? Um, oh, this was a really interesting chapter as I looked into the book. Um, another thing that could happen when you donate your body to science is that um, they can donate it not to medicine per se, but to say impact trauma. Oh, for like cars. Yeah. So sure. if you, they need to know the best way mm-hmm. to protect you in the car, mm-hmm. and the, be- the best way to do that is to put a body in the car and. You know, I was just thinking about that the other day yeah. because we were installing my daughter's car seat and I was like really concerned about what what would happen if we were in an accident and how would mm-hmm. she be impacted and I was thinking about how do they test this? Like I understand yeah. crash test dummies, but like is that really mm-hmm. an accurate representation of what would happen to a human body? And now I know. Yeah, but I will say that they don't obviously when it comes to this, they do not use children's bodies. Of course. Um they use animals. Mm-hmm. Um pigs are favored for because mm-hmm. they're the closest to know, humans. To yeah, humans. Sure. But um no, an adult body mm-hmm. can very well be strapped into a car and sent Mm-hmm. into, you know, that sort of thing. So, or, um, dropped off of high heights, mm-hmm. um, just different ways of studying all sorts of unfortunate things that could happen to you and how to a protect. A series of unfortunate yeah. events. A whole <laughs> and new how meaning. to best protect the living, 
you know. So that's a, that's a noble thing, I think, to do to, mm-hmm. if you were to donate your body to science or that sort of thing, that that could really, I mean, mm-hmm. you think of how far um, auto safety has evolved just mm-hmm. in the past, you know, 30 years. We owe that mm-hmm. to people who donate their bodies to this right. sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so if you've ever been in a car crash and, you you know, you walk away looking at your car wondering how you ever survived it, you survived it because someone did a very noble thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, you know, Things like that she gets into, all sorts of fun surprises and things you wouldn't think of, but yeah. you're kind of glad they're there when you're yeah. not, you know, about so, it. So this is kind of like a, a, a an odd topic, you know, somebody, mm-hmm. y- you would recommend this book to them and they might quirk their eyebrow and be like, mm-hmm. who is this crazy person and why does she want me to read about dead bodies? Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's important to note, like, as we're just talking about it, and I'm not particularly interested in mm-hmm. what happens to human remains, but as we're talking about it, we're finding, you know, ways to make it feel funny I that's mm-hmm. to bring levity to the situation to, and, know, and there's a certain you know. brand of people out there that it, you have to um it is you know a, a grave humor or mm-hmm. that sort of thing where you mm-hmm. just kind of you we don't laugh at death death is always a tragic thing obviously mm-hmm. but you have to kind of have a scope of it to realize it's not so much laughing at death as accepting it as a part of life right yeah. you know and um I'm very grateful for the professionals out there who help us through some very difficult times Mm -hmm. and if they didn't have that kind of grave humor Mm -hmm. you know um I don't know how they could continue through their careers right yeah you know so I'm grateful for people who can you know do these things and one not be like a lot of us would be and put off because it's disturbing Mm -hmm. but um able to help us through it Mm -hmm. because um they don't see it so much as a disturbing or difficult Thing as a part of who we are as a, a, a living people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I really I enjoy this topic. Like I said, I I don't really I don't find it that interesting. I don't. I, I, talking with you, I do kind of want to read these books, but it's not something that I've had in my head. Like I, will I need say, to figure out what will happen to my body when I die. When I went and pulled these from the shelf to review them for this podcast, it was like Christmas because I was I was like, oh, I haven't read this one. This is a new book that's out on this topic. <laughs> So I have a stack on my desk and I have stuff that I'm really interested to read that's of similar mm-hmm. veins. So we have a really great collection for anybody who would like to look. I, I know we have a know. great collection because you're, you're the one who's <laughs> buying for it. But, um, so who, who, in your opinion, would you recommend these uh, books to? What, where, where are they in their life that, that these would be an appropriate read for them? You know, I would recommend it to anybody who, like I said, is a little open-minded about... Um, what's happening as far as a, an area in our lives where like we don't like to think about it until we have to. Mm-hmm. But um, I think sometimes when we do wait until it's a situation where we have to think about it, we we go with what's familiar. But there are other options out there, and some mm-hmm. of them are very, you know, healthy and, and um, very therapeutic, mm-hmm. you know, and can be very beautiful. And um, I am a big fan of that movement of moving death back out of, uh, back into the home and making mm-hmm. it much more of a family, you know, mm-hmm. and a part of our our lives again. As far as I think that's good for the soul. Um, Caitlin and Mary put it much better, but um, and uh, I would recommend it for anybody who was looking, who wanted to think more about what is actually a big part of our life, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it's not morbid. It's not creepy. It's not anything that's overly grotesque. Of course, I say that talking about the head thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so you have to have, you know, a bar of like, okay, I can go with this. But uh, um, 
it, it's it's a lot more fascinating than what mm-hmm. it um, sounds eye-opening yeah you know, there are just so many things that you don't mm-hmm. think about because like you said we we've removed death from the home mm-hmm. and it's not right up in our face anymore and so the, reading these stories um and all of the variations of things that could happen would be mm-hmm. Definitely eye-opening if it's not something you've considered mm-hmm. in the past. And I think it makes it less scary. It makes the whole process sure, yeah. overall less scary mm-hmm. because it, it it's it when you when you've thought about it and you see that it is such a personal thing that every culture around the world mm-hmm. sees and goes through and is always with us. You know, it makes it less um, unknown and less dark, mm-hmm. and um, it, it can be a very beautiful process. Mm-hmm. And it, it because it is a necessary one. Right. So. Hmm. Everybody dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Lima Reads. Keep the conversation going by commenting on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Lima Public Library. 